Um, so today's class is all about moving from the finite to the infinite. Um, this motion of really taking ourselves past this sort of 3D existence into these higher states of being and consciousness. And of course, with something as serious as that, all I can think about is Toy Story and to infinity and beyond. Um, there, I said it, I've been holding it in. Um, no better person to teach this class than who we have today. Um, Venetia is a reader at Modern Mystic Shop, as well as many, many other things. She practices energy work. She is an amazing sound healer who conducts sound baths and sound experiences. And then one of my favorite things about what she does is this process of soul integration. Um, so she has this wonderful, has been gifted with this sort of theory and idea about how can we integrate parts of our soul, not only in this lifetime, but across various lifetimes, um, to have a more centered, grounded, present experience. It's beautiful work that she does. Um, and I'm constantly impressed with how connected, tuned in, tapped in that she is. So like I said, there's no better person to host this class today. Um, I hope you're all excited as well. And if you would, please put your hands together physically, virtually, um, infinitely for Venetia. Thank you, Kirsten. I appreciate um, the warm welcome as well as the Toy Story reference. Uh, I love a good little bit of humor. Um, <laughs> satisfies my inner child. Um, so, hello everyone. Um, welcome to this space. Um, it's an honor to be back offering another Sunday School session. Um, I'd like to thank Modern Mystic as well as all of you for showing up, for listening, for doing your inner work, like wherever that takes you. Um, and so to, to get us started, I just want us to kind of take a moment to ground and really open up fully before we receive uh, <laughs> all of this information that I have to share. Um, because in all things involving spirit, I um, feel like it's best to start by inviting it in. So just take a moment, take a couple deep breaths in, really orient yourself in the space that you're inhabiting currently, making sure you're grounded in your body, making sure your ears are open up to listening, um, making sure your heart is open as well. So to start off, I, um, I kind of want to share an experience um, about, and it's actually a pretty recent experience about how I really truly decided to be like, all right, let's do this and fully invited spirit like into my life. Like, cause I've always had this resistance um, to this part of the process, to really being allowing myself to walk with God's source, to allow myself to, as other people would put it, like be uh, the hero of your own movie. <laughs> and so like, I was like, you know what? I was exploring play and like, and I was like, this is part of the play. This is part of me playing out my life by you know connecting and inviting that experience in fully and not judging it so i spent probably the last couple of weeks we were able to freely roam the earth <laughs> um basically pretending i was god by playing god and and not and not in a way where i was like seeking to control other people i was mainly just focusing on on guiding myself and actually controlling myself allowing myself to shadow God's source, in, in a way being God's shadow self, as strange as that sounds. Um, and what it offered me, because I, I, I set up some, uh, I set up a framework for myself and understanding the ways in which God's source took form within my being, physical and vibrationally. And that all started with my breath, with my breathing. And so, by doing that, I was able to completely empty out my mind and therefore allow myself to move and to flow through things without judgment. And so then I was able to open myself up 
to more experiences, to understanding how other people perceive what's happening, um, being able to really build um, a relationship and understanding what the heart mind actually is um, through, this, through this mindful experience. And so during this time, I realized that one of the most important aspects of it was um, being fully present interactions, in between actions, in between my responding to the world around me. So actually being within in these in-between spaces where stuff happens, quote unquote. And so that allowed me to better understand um, the structures and frameworks that I was like working within, that I was kind of restricting myself and holding myself to. Um, so just to kind of I guess to preface the whole talk to begin with, because I'm I'm basically preparing you all for what I for what I frequently call big talk, um, and so you know this may be something you listen to in pieces, you know, once it's up in podcast land. Um, so don't and don't judge yourself for it because I know that I in order for me to put this together I had to learn it in pieces I had to live it and experience it in pieces um, so for the time we have together we're gonna cover that which contributes to our personal sphere of influence strengthening our intuition our ability to intuit as I like to say um, transporting us into higher dimensions and with that, with the word dimensions, I want to preface by saying I have a huge interest in semantics, in meaning, like it's such a powerful thing to, to fully understand um, like language and words, the words we use, because then we have a stronger grasp of more practical everyday magic, you know. Um, and so to kick this off, I wanted to start by defining the word dimension, and then the word infinite. So starting off with dimension, um, and of course I just copy and pasted this from Google, you know, um, <laughs> but in mathematics, the dimension of an object is um, the number of degrees of freedom, a point um, of a point that moves on this object. So in other words, a dimension is the number of independent parameters or coordinates that are, needed, that are needed for defining the position of a point that is constrained to be on the subject. So in other words, dimensions, the higher the dimension, the higher the um, possibilities, um, the more movement and freedom is uh, allowed. And so then we consider the word infinite which is limitless or endless in space, extent or size, impossible to measure or calculate, in other words, boundless. Okay, so this is important, sorry. <laughs> this is important considering the title of this episode, From Finite to Infinite Being. And when you think of this title, what comes to mind? You know, we consider time, we can consider space, limitations, dimensions like we covered, abundance, spirit. Um, but before I even got into all that, the concept for this presentation actually came to me last fall. Um, I, was, I was doing a reading, offering a reading to a friend of mine who um, was from my former life when I, when I worked in film. And after their reading, we got into some discussion. I had like piqued their interest in a few things and they started asking me some bigger questions. And um, to which, to one of which I responded with uh, an allegory using the circle and the spiral. Now, if you have like a notebook handy or something, I should have probably like, for those of you on Zoom, probably drawn something, but we'll just talk through it since this will be something that uh, is listened to via audio only. Um, so if you have a notebook ready, it's helpful to draw and jot down a few notes as we go, maybe to kind of help you um, absorb this experience. So hopping in, <laughs> consider, um, the circumference of a circle. And within this circle lies all of experience or all that we can experience in this form 
um, is encased within this cell, within this circle. Um, and when I say cell, this is something that I started doing in my own practice. I also say yourself or your cell because it's all kind of the same because you, you are a vessel for all of all possibilities, um, all different types of experiences based on what you choose. But we'll get into a lot of that later. Um, but consider this circle, consider that within this circle, we experience life through one unchanging perspective as one point in linear time. We're only going to experience a chord or a line within that circle. It's like being so focused on getting to work, you miss what's around you, you know, like just point A to point B. Um, and this is something that in a 2D space, I kind of call flatlining or in a 3D space, tunnel vision. But it's all about uncon unconscious concentration and unconscious surrender. And in that, we become a victim of circumstance because we get lost between actions. We get lost between points. We end up elsewhere, opening up a space in our bodies for further attachments to surface through unconscious interaction. So, it's like, where do we go when we're in between reacting or responding to our world? We compromise our bodies physically, energetically, mentally. Um, and so big events in our lives, whether they stem from pain, from trauma, or from ecstasy, from pleasure, when left unchecked and unchallenged, offer us a tunneled estimation and how we move through and process our experiences. And so with that, history is a tricky thing as it limits possibilities if it's considered the only source of truth for our being. Um, not us not existing in those other, other spaces other than these historical moments. So it places us on a false timeline, locking us into a framework of involuntary reactions or actions that we keep playing out because we're not spending time grounded in ourselves in between. And we're, so we're in these involuntary reactions where continuation and survival are mistaken for adaptive healing and growth. So we end up being born into a rat race, carrying the need to fight and defend ourselves in order to continue life through the avoidance of death or silencing. So history repeats itself. We either fight or retreat, fail or succeed without breaking the cycle. Um, <clears throat> and because we misinterpret the procedure of recovering from this state, um, we don't define the normal that we return to um, by misinterpreting what normal is because we're using someone else's definition of it. So, sorry, have to take a breath there. <laughs> so this approach only propels us deeper into the tunnel, separating us from being exposed to or jumping into other progressions and pathways of being. We accept the experience that we're, you know, attached to as being us instead of challenging it and traveling beyond it. And so with that, a density erupts within us, a heaviness due to the gravity of the historic situation and its effect on the individual or the observer. And until the observer measures and disrupts this origin point, affecting their reality current, there's no shift in form. We can't change our reality. And so there has to be a balance between acceptance, absorption, and adaptation. And with this, I kind of wanted to have, and you can choose to write this down or reference this back again, but I just kind of wanted to um, offer a declaration in this, in this moment. So um, we will choose when we are broken, broken down and we will choose when we build ourselves back up. Instead of chasing pain or pleasure to avoid suffering, we will love ourselves to further know ourselves, inviting that pain to be more of a ping to remind us that we have something to learn and to let go here. And so the more truth we actively engage with, the actions and interactions, those in-between spaces, creates a bridged pathway between these tunnels to resemble a spiral. So yeah, now I'm like trying to vocalize like 
different aspects of sacred geometry. <laughs> but a spiral is, is more resilient than a line. Like comparing the carbon structure of lead uh, to a diamond, you know, lead is more of a planar structure, whereas diamond is way more intricate and ha and goes off in many different directions, forming a, a more infinite, indestructible structure that is also brilliant and captures light. Um, so just consider that for a moment. And so it's through connecting with this with this spiral crystalline diamond structure, we can involve and evolve concurrently. Um, this can be a rather dizzying experience when we're ungrounded in ourselves because we're drawn inward whilst feeling the false tug outside of the spiral, kind of like um, the concept of uh, centrifugal force. And that force actually ends up stripping us out of our density the more that we involve ourselves in our being, the more that we look within um, before projecting anything outward, before allowing that tug to move us from our center. And so I know this is kind of like a weird point of paradox where it's like, all right, so what's the sound of one hand clapping? <laughs> but, <laughs> but our center, vibrationally speaking, is the point of paradox. Um, <laughs> it's just a matter of how many, um, how much truth are you willing to look at uh, in, in any given moment? And so one thing that we refuse or that we're, we're resistant to is um, admitting that we can actually fast track this process. Um, and we can fast track ourselves to that point and collapse these structures. Um, that pathway though requires the utmost intuit nature. So really stepping into our intuition, which is, you know, a form of trust and um, our integrity of self. So in, in that we become the resource, the divine spark, the paradox itself, we become um, that walk with God source. And so considering that, I'm gonna switch gears a little bit and we're gonna talk about uh, the very beginning, the creation of the universe. <laughs> so the, the universe as we know it, the big bang, and, and remember, we're talking about ourselves here, even if we're talking about the universe. So think about that. The, the Big Bang was born, the universe was born from a singularity or point that reached a phase, a place, a point of, of instability, of insecurity. Um, it began to question itself within its own structure. And that is what resulted in the creation and expansion of itself, um, the very space time that we inhabit. But the further that it expanded from this instability point, at, simultaneously, the more parts, experiments, and experiences that were created within this um, whole entire cosmos. So understanding that within any point, like each point's a big bang, each perspective you have is a big bang that's going to then expand outward and formulate your reality. And it's gonna create more things for you to either experiment with or just simply experiment, uh, experience. And the difference between the two and you experiment, there's gonna be some resistance there. There's a process that goes into it. Whereas if you're purely experiencing, which is more of a 5D thing, you're just flowing with it. You're flowing through it, <laughs> you know? Like you become <clears throat> part of that space-time fabric. And so, what I like to take from this example is because the Big Bang was, was, was born from this, this questioning, um, we also are born with questions, with desires, which end up becoming our sails, our momentum, the very things that call us to like burst forth and become. Um, so in a way, desire propels the ship of exploration, you know, like our, I like to say, like our heavenly bodies or a spaceship, but I'm just referring to our physical body, um, just in a fancy, fun way. <laughs> um, but desire propels us through our inner and outer worlds. And when deeming separation from source, there lies an obsession um, about within us about what's real and definitive. So we continue to experiment instead of experience. 
And one reason many of us um, go through this and explore and feel a sense of like uh, imposter syndrome creep in is that within the pursuit of our desires, we end up feeling misaligned with what's unfolding. We end up feeling out of our depth because there's a little passenger aboard our ship. And it's like right there with us in our ship center, in our heart center. And it's either silently observing or being silenced by us. And this, in other words, this could be like our shadow self. And that passenger, that shadow self, determines the gravity of our experiences, directly affecting our ability to gain greater momentum in order to actually positively distort um, our pathway, our reality, the world around us. So we have a choice every time we're met with this silent passenger. We can either prolong the discord or become lighter by harmonizing with it. So we step into our depth understanding that until we incorporate our shadows into the experience, we are only seeing part of the picture. Because um, I mean, just think about art, you have shading, you have shadows as well as you have the light, you know, so you can actually see what's being represented there in that art. Um, and so harmony allows us then to view ourselves fully, to realize our reality, to utilize our wholeness as a resource. So we end up redeeming ourselves with more ease as well as reclaiming our divinity in the process. And um, another, another kind of paradox thing though, but I'll go, we're just gonna hit a bunch of those. So just deal with it. <laughs> I, I had to, I was like, oh, all right, I see what's going on. But anyways, bewildering enough, we're talking about light and we're talking about integrating the shadow, but Consider also that in complete light or complete dark, there's nothing to see. Absolutely nothing to see. We can either say we're blinded or just be like, there's nothing to see here, folks. So this suggests that even our own perspective, if we're talking about like physical light, physical dark, um, that our eyes deceive us. You know, the outside world, the material world, everything that's outside of us is um, something that unconsciously <laughs> unconsciously distracts us. And so this is why we have to attend to the silent passenger. We have to integrate this shadow to create a picture that has depth, that we can, you know, objects that we can observe fully. And this in turn fortifies our inner sight, you know, because we're able to understand what we're seeing from another perspective, from another level, um, you know, the other side of things, our senses receive an upgrade um, because we're able to just tap into other spaces as opposed to having this tunnel vision. And so we begin to cut through illusion. And I mean, I'm sure all of you know, many spiritual traditions agree that we live in a world filled with illusion. Um, and in that, we either choose beliefs to give it weight to give it meaning, or we simply find comfort in it. Comfort in knowing that it's an illusion um, and not having to make sense of it. And sometimes that can be absolutely frightening too. <laughs> but I'm sure this kind of leads me into that whole, uh, reminds me of that phrase, um, if you gaze long enough into the abyss, the abyss will gaze back into you. And so most of us at any point in our lives like fear this interaction, especially the second half, because we fear that this abyss will begin to actively like haunt and consume us, you know, the shadows and skeletons like lurking in our closet, you know, just spooky, spooky stuff, like the unknown. So what we typically do is that we react, we clutch the sheets, we consume more for fear that we'll be found out. We deepen the illusion. We fill the parts that feel empty, that feel isolated, that feel undeserving. We end up filling our holes instead of becoming whole. And so this is the whole like us reacting instead of responding to something. And so in this reaction, we're actually disconnected from source wanting to experience itself. It's, it's us kind of waiting in apprehension for something outside of us to come in and set things right. Um, or it's us grasping for control in the presence of death. And no part of us is truly meant to die, and that includes our ego. Um, so 
just making sure that, you know, you're understanding the difference between the two. Cause it's really whether or not you're existing in a place of, of lack or of wholeness. That's really what it comes down to. And the shadow self, that silent passenger, unless you accept it and you invite it in, you're ignoring it. So you're perpetuating something that's going to work out of lack, that's going to always see the other because there is an other within you. Um, but I digress. <laughs> um, so going back to the abyss, what if we could appreciate absence instead of judging it? What if we could appreciate lack instead of judging it? Seeing it as a vessel for potential, an opportunity to question, investigate, observe. Um, the chance to, it's the chance to be offered something, anything without having to actually chase it. And so through that, we become the divine scientist, observing and affecting the experiment, um, because if any of you, you know, I went down a quantum physics hole for a while, I'm going to admit. And, and one thing that I love, because even before I did this, uh, I, I call myself Venetia Rump Starbound Observer, right? And then I'm like, as I'm doing this, I'm like, oh, now I understand why I'm an observer. Anyways, but observers disturb what they measure. <laughs> they shift their reality. And so that which disturbs is the maker of that reality. So if someone or something outside of you is disturbing you, then you're allowing them to create your reality. Does that make sense? I hope so. Um, but the, so the problem is, is we allowed this maker, this source to exist outside of us playing interference against us, but without it, there's only this void. And why do we avoid the void is another point. So, because um, the void's nothingness in a material world. Um, it's the opposite of what we were told or we accepted to be real. And within it, there's nothing to observe, distract, or connect with outside of being. There's complete absorption in a space so self has been torn from substance, which on a less visceral note can be observed, observed as us being a vessel through which life is creative divine expression. So the storyteller and the protagonist merge. We walk with the gods as gods. Um, and I guess another like comparison to like kind of borrow a page or a card from the tarot. Um, just uh, consider the fool. There are those that mock the fool, perceiving them as lacking in identity and knowledge and experience. But this is not the case um, because as the fool progresses, they move through each stage of the major arcana and all they are doing is simply choosing and choosing again and choosing again and choosing again, playing out these different roles and taking pick of any experience that suits them in the moment without distraction. And so with that being said, we can choose, we can be the fool, becoming infinite and can change the world as well, as well as like the agreed upon reality that we set for ourselves. And so as we play with like the gravity of our experiences, we no longer get bent out of shape. We play with the distortions that alter our reality, shifting through these different costumes, roles, interactions, and we can explore and act out our lives without getting attached. Um, so in other words, the more we're able to lighten up on a collective scale, the faster we're able to bend reality and bring things to manifestation in real time. And with that, I charge you all to be aware of yourself as an offering to the altar of reality or the altering of reality. See that wordplay? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the flow of the fool's journey isn't frivolous. It's wholehearted. It's sovereign. It's living wisdom, y'all. <laughs> like, and so as we vibrate higher, we feel lighter and become a node of infinite possibility within higher dimensions, within um, the string of moments. And um, it isn't until we understand that power that we feel comfortable claiming any responsibility over it. Because it's funny how much of our experience is rooted in separation and half-heartedness 
in the measuring of time. And we frequently give away our power in these areas, you know, confusing separation and individualization um, is one of the byproducts of growing up in a socialized world filled with preconceived agreements, permissions, and contracts. And assuming if we had control over something, we'd be able to change it. Um, so we end up just grasping for something when we could have been guiding ourselves through it on our own terms by choosing throughout. So choosing what is ours versus what's thrust upon us to tame or to burden us with the false flag of being a model citizen, like a model citizen by whose standards. And so imitation in itself, which is something that we unconsciously do, you know, growing up, I watched a lot of television because my mom was working. I didn't have someone else there to be an example for me or to help me in my choosing. And so imitation is, is a limitation and therefore it's not liberation. You're not free if you're trying to imitate or play out something as you think it should be. Again, this is an experiment for us to move into experience. Like I said earlier, if you're following me, sorry. Okay, as we progress through this pathway of liberation and love ourselves through our choosing, um, there's a warning that comes with it because there are going to be checkpoints that pop up. The universe is going to ask you, you know, are you sure that you want this? Are you willing to go all the way um, and confront this so you can remain harmonious or you can become harmonious? You know, we hit, a lot of people hit their awakening. I know I did for a little bit of time and you just assume it's going to be so easy it's going to be so easy from there and we assume you know the angels and heaven will open up right before us but when you think about it and the fact that we're talking about separation um if it's if separation isn't real and we can truly be one then isn't that just us coming in to rescue ourselves you know isn't that just us um coming in and, al and allowing ourselves to feel more ease and to tune in to like the subtleties of our being and what's happening within us and around us. And so our awakening truly begins with, with the awareness that you're commencing the pathway of sovereignty, of owning your power, of protecting your energy, unraveling yourselves from blind obligations more or less. And so you end up dancing to the beat of your own drummer, finding your rhythm, you know, I could say it in many ways, hopping into the ebb and flow, you know, but you're aligning yourself to continue the eternal conversation with source without interruption. And that's the, the present of being. Um, and so with that, and throughout my practice, I've always made it a point, especially when I do like meditative work or energy work with people. It's like, you have to be in your body. You have to be here. This is the present. Our bodies anchor us in time. Our bodies are a beautiful, versatile tool. You know, um, our presence and present awareness allows us to more fully channel our higher self and anchor it in this physical plane. And that allows us to download faster, um, high speed, high frequency energy. Um, kind of like, this is going to sound so silly, kind of like dial up versus fiber, you know, like we think of internet, like the internet being a body of information. We're also a body of information when we're tuning into spirit. And so um, consider this, that dial up is like the mind thought form aspect of being. It, when we're in our mind, we drain our body of energy. It's like having to occupy the phone line to access the internet. <laughs> like some method of communication is getting cut off um, in order to access um, because you're in your mind, you're cutting off other possibilities. You know, you're projecting things out into your reality. But on the other hand, fiber, you know, it's a high speed connection. It's a direct high speed connection without having to pull from another source. It's different. It's made of lighter material with no reliance on this separate denser energy. It's, it's like being connected in your heart. Um, like this unlimited energetic currency. Um, cause you consider our heart at being a pump, um, connecting our body to our breath. 
which you know we all consider our breath to be an extension of spirit. So our heart ends up being able to circulate spirit throughout our body. And so when we make that dip and anchor ourselves into our heart, we remember to breathe. You know, we establish a fully operational heart mind, um, which leads me to another card, the lover's card. It's like the beautiful course of like receptive creation because when you're in your heart things flow freely because it's charged by love because you can under understand everything without having to judge it because it's unconditional love and so with um in comparison to the lover's card it's like one element seeking counsel from the other who finds their solace and source so it's like the mind checking in with the heart that is connected with your higher self, you know, your God source. And so through that, we're able to love ourselves unconditionally, reach a point of equilibrium, and realize this was the only way to be, that, that this must be the place. And so in that, we exist, in that love, we exist as the center and the circumference. Remember going back to that circle not judging or categorizing anything because it's unfolding into the field of possibility. We can see clearly from the center where we're being swayed and observe it and choose how to reorient it by either moving our center or moving from it. And so that, that open, opens us up to being completely sovereign, to traveling wherever we want to go and understanding that we create a reality, that it starts with us, like we are that zero point. Um, and so I know that was kind of a wild ride. <laughs> um, uh, I promise I don't always get like this. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, it's a lot of things to consider, but as you put into practice some of the stuff that we went over and allow a lot of your restrictions and resistance to fall away, you then understand like the meaning of of like eternal life. You understand what it is to be infinite because you are fully anchored in the moment and you can see, it's almost like the pathways stretch out before you and you can see where you wanna go, you know, and you can feel it without having to think about it, without having to question it. Um, so yes, going back to that point, you know, 3D to 5D, we're moving from experiment to experience. And so, First, you have to anchor yourself in your experience to know what you're experiencing and then go from there. Anyways, before I talk in another circle or like relay another paradox, let's answer some questions. <laughs> um, okay, so if anyone has any questions, please feel free to put them in the chat. Um, I know Ronan asked a question here. Okay, it says repeat the bit on, ex oh, there are two questions, repeat the bit on acceptance, absorption, and adaption, adaptation, sorry. I have notes here. Um, <laughs> so one second. Um, so it's like when we're kind of going through our experience, we have to create a balance within our system. And so this is kind of like acceptance, absorption, and adaption is kind of like your checks and balances. Um, with any type of experience, especially those that you've met with unconsciously. And so accepting that you've met with it unconsciously, absorbing that as being a reflection of where you were at at that time, and then adapting from that. So then choosing something differently. Um, and then uh, other question, let's see. Filling holes instead of becoming whole diamond heart. Yes, I love the diamond heart series. And I remember I, I read that and I was like, and then I remember I also like did a video about it when I forgot about that being in the book. So I'm glad that you reminded me and I, now I'm just gonna go read that series again. <laughs> um, let's see. And then another question. Okay, I'm interested to hear more about how to discover one's own shadow. I've been trying to do shadow work, but I don't know how to find the shadow to work on. Okay, that's a big question. Um, so shadow can be a positive or negative thing actually, but it's something that, of, about yourself that you 
pretend you're ignorant to or feel ashamed um, or unworthy or undeserving when you allow yourself to express it. So it's like, it's the shadow is kind of like that power struggle within you that, that occurs. So it's like stepping into something that perhaps you have a lot of knowledge about. Um, this is just an example, like stepping into something you have a lot of knowledge about and you would otherwise feel very confident in by yourself. But when you go up, and this is, I guess, kind of like what I'm dealing with, when you go up and speak to other people about it, there's that side that you have to like, there's that silent passenger, you know, that you either have to be like, okay, come aboard. Like, I see you. And I understand that maybe I feel a little bit weird in this position, you know, and it's like you, you process that, you go through it, you know, instead of allowing that weirdness, that awkwardness or that resentment or, you know, any type of like emotional signature that kind of pops up out of nowhere where you'd otherwise feel comfortable can be a shadow aspect. There are other ways that I could try to explain it, but if you want to just talk to me one-on-one, -on -one, we can get into it. Um, but there's a lot of ways that the shadow can be expressed. Um, and one thing that I, one practice I like to do with people um, is actually being able to sit with that and try to explore that by defining or creating a character profile for your shadow self. Kind of like if you were casting for a play, you know, who would be able to play that role and like what characteristics does that self have? Because um, then it lays it out right in front of you and then you can role play as that self and then you can find out, oh, what's so bad about that? Because now I know how to utilize as a, that as a resource when I'm in these moments, when I'm having these experiences. So. Uh, I hope that helps. Um, all right, and then we have some more comments. Thank you for articulating these things so beautifully, Venetia. When you talk about, thank you. When you talk about anchoring into the body, I'm just curious if that has a particular felt sense for you. So when, I, when I'm fully anchored in my body, when I'm fully present, my mind is super clear. I, my senses become really heightened and I am able to process what's going on around me without having to think about it. Um, that's just my experience of it. It's like the space that I'm in, if I'm in a room, like I can feel every bit of that room and feel what's outside of it. Like it's very, it's a very energetic and like, I don't know, it's just a very unique space to me in that sense. And it's kind of difficult for me to put it into words. Um, so I hope that, makes some sense for you. Um, all right, another one. This is so timely as I'm coming into a deeper understanding of no separation. It was so liberating. Oh, yes. Oh, it's so liberating. It's so much fun. It makes you want to like dance around like your room or something. <laughs> At least that's what I like to do. Um, okay. We have another question. What's the best way to anchor in a high pressure situation? Okay, this is a good one. So this is something that I've learned from a lot of other healers as well. And so this reminds me <clears throat> of just kind of mountain pose. And so it's almost like letting your body hit, like allow yourself to kind of hit the reset button for a second. So you like, you check your posture, you make sure that your posture is coming from a place of power and alignment and that's straight. And so like you're um, really opening up your vertical channel instead of like allowing blockages or like, you know, trying to cower you know, things like that. Um, and so really being able to kind of like, like I said, mountain pose, sense to physically center yourself and make sure you're breathing. Um, speak slowly, be as present as possible because there's really, even though there's a high pressure situation, there's no rush in our, and our body kicks in and kind of helps us slow down time through that adrenaline, adrenaline rush through that fight or flight. So when we're actually able to consciously tap into that superpower that our body provides for us, we can be fully present in that moment. And in that weird time stretch of whatever's going on and respond, respond to it instead of react to it. Um, and also like, it's also like through knowing ourselves and knowing how we truly want um, others to experience us. And so being in a, 
so this is also going back to some of the work that you do prior to entering some type of um, experience like that. It's like you kind of self-analyze and you question yourself a lot. And it's like, well, how do, how do I feel like I show up in this space? What would I like to change about that? And you can go back, you know, to his, through history and through memories and analyze that stuff. Cause that's, that is part of the process is just being able to be like, okay, let me go back to, you know, a high pressure, pressure situation that I've already moved through. How would I do that differently? You know, and that way you can already know what your choice will be when you're in it. So outside of the phys physical perspective, like it's a lot of, a lot of work that you end up kind of doing beforehand, I feel like. Um, but also, you know, you become more intuitive as you move through things. So you're, if you're fully aligned and embodied and integrated with your higher self, then you just show up. So that's another, that's another answer um, to that. Um, let's see. What resources did you start with when you started learning about sacred geometry? I didn't really start out with any resources, to be honest with you. Um, I know that's like a lame answer, but <laughs> I, just, I just remember I, uh, my sister, I was taking her to her um, aerial classes and there was a piece of art on the wall and I didn't know what it was. I didn't really know about sacred geometry and uh, it was Metatron's cube. And I was so drawn to it, so drawn to it. And I was like, all right, there's something here. And I came across it later. And I was like, that's, that's it. Like, that's the sign. And like throughout my, um, my own practice, I've built a really solid connection with Metatron as well. So that's what you know, then translated into my interest in sacred geometry. Um, and I actually have a tattoo of Metatron's cube on my arm. Um, and <laughs> I remember going to a party, I know I'm kind of rambling, but I remember going to a party one time and someone asked me about it. And I either, I either, and it's usually like, it'll be a nerdy person asking me about it. And like, they'll be like, is, you know, I explain it. And they're like, oh, like Metatron from like some cartoon, I forget not like transformers, but you, but those of you that know, you know, and then, <laughs> then other people ask me about Stargate, which I'm like, yes, let's talk about that. Um, but that's a whole nother conversation on, in itself. Um, <laughs> but in theory, Metatron's cube is, um, a representation of our own, uh, of, of our own vehicle, of our own spaceship, so to speak. Oh, anyways, I feel like I <laughs> went all over the place with that one. But yeah, are there any other questions that um, you'd like? Okay. So, hey, love, can you talk a little bit more about experiment versus experience? Linearly, we think of experience as something that comes through various experiments we go through. Perform, question mark, experience. I don't know why I said question mark. Experiencing, not experimenting, kind of takes the guesswork out, huh? No hypothesis. The information doesn't have a fixed meaning. This isn't a very well articulated. <laughs> no, it's fine. I had to take a second and sit with it for a minute. It's fine. Um, so it, it's um, experimenting into experiencing. Okay, so yeah, I understand that it gets kind of confusing. So one point in being the observer is to be able to get yourself through the experiment, past the experiment into the experience. Um, because that is you kind of getting acquainted with yourself through the experiment. It's source getting to know itself, essentially. And if you are source, you're just getting to know yourself through the experiment in this 3D world, in this world of duality um, um, that isn't really that dual. Um, and, but so once we connect with that source within us, source then understands through the experiment and so then it can just experience itself does that make sense does that help a little bit okay okay cool um <laughs> no questions just wanted to say this chat is a lovely start to the best day of the week i i have to agree i have to agree it's really nice especially with the rain in the background i'm like mm, i'm gonna probably sit in this corner a bit longer afterwards but yeah <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, is there anything else? I'm pretty, um, I'm an open book. If anyone else has anything they want clarified to, I'm, I'm more than happy to go through that. I would love to ask a quick question. 
Um, I love the example that you gave about uh, using a character profile to explore your shadow self. I think that is such a cool tool that I've never thought about before. Um, and at the beginning, you were talking about uh, one of the best ways to sort of lean into this movement is by enhancing or engaging intuition. And you had an interesting phrase, uh, I think you said into it. Um, can you talk about maybe like uh, one of those cool exercises that we could do to lean into intuition a bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let me see, I think I have a couple resources I can offer. So when we seek to intuit, or become more intuitive and lean into our intuition, we're basically asking ourselves to um, step into the moment and be absorbed by it in order to truly feel it out, right? And so one way that can be done is through questioning, asking yourself, like, am I available for this, you know? And seeing if you feel a pull, if you're drawn to it, if you're feeling engaged, you're feeling excited by it, and if you're not. And then another really popular one is asking your body those yes and no's, yes and no questions, understanding like your physical yes and no, um, which can be both a physical and energetic sensation that you'll feel. Um, <clears throat> and I'll, and for those that practice tarot, that's something that you inevitably end up picking up on the more that you engage with that, um, with that medium, with that conversation piece. Um, so yeah, that, those are the two best ones. So it's just like asking questions and then seeing how your body, your being, your energy responds. Um, and that to me is intuition because it's like, you're the medium. I'm like, for instance, like I would be the, my body would be the tarot cards that, you know, is the medium between the conversation of myself and my higher self. And so my body is that, is that midpoint, is that tool, is that divination tool, so to speak, um, to help me tap into my intuition. And that's why I find that it's so important for us to be anchored in our presence and in our um, being, because everything that we have been given is a resource. Um, once we kind of learn how the like, mechanics of it, so to speak. So, yeah. Thank you for that question. All right. I think that's, I think that's it. <laughs> I just want to thank you all for showing up today and for sticking with it, sticking with me. If, um, if there are any questions that arise after you sit with this material, reach out, like, let's spend some time together. I've um, transformed a lot of uh, my offerings to become more sliding scale, more donation based. That way there's no um, block to people being able to access and um, learn, from, learn from my experience. So I'm just, I'm here to be a support beam in any way that I can in order for you to be able to stand tall in your own being. This episode was produced by Kirsten Hedges and produced and edited by Georgie Harris. For more information, visit us at modernmysticshop.com and click on Sunday School.